This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Husker Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Hey, we are back with another episode of the Sideline Slice. Jeremiah Searles, Jessica Cootie here, and typically Searles completely goes off the grid. Well, not off the grid, but he's so busy, but we finally were able to nail him down and get a time to bring you another episode here in February. How you been, buddy? I'm good. Very busy, very much on the road. Um, I was in Minnesota all last week working with my offensive lineman up there. I'm leaving for Indianapolis tomorrow for the NFL Combine. So things are rocking and rolling in the pre-draft world over here. Can't believe it's been eight weeks. I mean, this eight weeks flies by leading up to the Combine and then halfway home to the draft. So been super busy, but it's been a ton of fun. Do you enjoy this part of the agent process? Oh, yeah. I love this part because you get to it's no longer the recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. It's very much like college, like they're yours now. They picked you. You picked them. Let's work together. We're in this thing hand in hand. We're making decisions. We're planning for the future. We're talking real ball like this is what drives me. These four months from January to April are my favorite part of this job. The recruiting of this job comes with the territory and it's tough because you take gut punches and, you know, you have guys you think you're going to sign and they go elsewhere and all those things. But once you have your core group of guys, it's just so much fun. And I've got guys that are in the league that are coming back to train, talking about getting them ready for the next year. Like it's just been it's a truly love your job type of moment this these four months. We're going to talk uh, more NFL and uh potentially Huskers going to the mm -hmm. NFL here in just a little bit, but had a, a little bit of some news to catch up on since we've last chatted. Let's start with the most recent. How about that dunk contest <laughs> from uh, the football team? Thomas Fedoni, Jeremiah Charles was just unbelievable. Emmett Johnson was out there. Kai Wallen. Uh, it's just a pretty cool, cool deal for the football team to be able to capitalize in the middle of a, a really special basketball season, but they seem to really enjoy it. You were pretty impressed with Jeremiah Charles, huh? Oh my gosh. I was like, are we sure this dude doesn't want to be a dual sport athlete? Um, cause he can <laughs> jump. He is Batman a dual sport athlete. Can. He's on track and field. He needs to be a yeah, tri-sport no, no, athlete. I'm talking about basketball. <laughs> track and field's fun. Love that. Go, go play basketball. That was really fun to watch. You know, but I also love just the the Matt rule was like, yeah, you know, there's a risk of injury here. Like there's a risk of injury and in just being athletic and doing things, but I don't care. My guys want to go out and have fun. And I'd be lying if I wasn't holding my breath every time I watched Thomas Fedoni go dunk the football but or dunk the basketball. But I just thought it was a great event. It was great for the students, great for the state, great for the athletic department. So really excited to see that. And man, you, we see some pretty gifted athletes that we have on this Husker team. Absolutely. A lot of people were saying it's the best halftime show they've had. Um, I don't know. I kind of like the Panda Lady. The oh, panda red, lady panda? red Panda, yeah. Red Panda is still Solid. up there for me. I love, I love a good uh, bull flip onto the head. <laughs> it's, it is uh, pretty solid, you know, but just the, you look at the social media part of it and again, continuing to stay relevant, continuing to catch the, he the headlines, doing something different. In this day and age, how big is that for a college football program? Yeah, I mean, in the day and age of recruiting is the name of the game and being relevant and being in the space and having your name across the ticker of ESPN or whatever it may be, or I saw ESPN's Instagram actually put it out on their main Instagram page today, right? That's important for recruiting. It's super important. You know, guys that are there, not as much, but just keeping the momentum that this team has built from the offseason, from signing Dylan Rayola on, that's important because recruiting is all about momentum and the story in which you're selling of where your program's going, especially with a second-year head coach. 
So I love what Coach Rule's doing in the staff of being creative and finding different ways to do things and then having a story to tell, right? So much of recruiting is the story to tell, and I love it, but as long as that equivalates to wins in the offseason, or the wins during the season, that's when it's all going to really start coming together. One of the other fun storylines that it's been to follow over the last couple of months, Nash Hutmaker putting mm -hmm. on his wrestling singlet. He's dropped a bunch of weight. What have, uh, what's been your perspective of that and watching him uh, hit the wrestling mat where he's pretty yeah. dang good, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a monster. I, I love it. You know, I saw him be so dominant last year from a nose guard position, which is not somewhere where you see usually a dominant performance come. And when he first ran out there in that first match against Wyoming, I was like, is this the same guy? <laughs> it looks like he lost like 50 pounds. Like, but he still looks strong. He looked agile. And, you know, going through the pre-draft process, talking with teams right now, you'll be amazed how many teams love D-linemen and O-linemen that have wrestling backgrounds. Mm. They, they love it, right? Like, oh, this dude was a wrestler. A means he's tough. No, B, he understands the leverage. He'll fight through things. So it's a huge debt or asset for him moving forward, especially as he's going to chase the NFL. And, you know, just losing some of that weight and getting some of that quickness back and just kind of refreshing those tools that he hadn't used since uh, high school, I think it's going to really pay dividends for him in the fall. You thought he was a, a tad heavy, right? Yeah, you know, and I think that was part of the scheme, too. You know, you want those big nose guards that can eat the double teams and free up the linebackers to run around and make a gazillion tackles. But if he wants to play at the next level, he has to be able to pass rush. It's a pass rush league. Right. You have to be able to get to the quarterback at the next level. And so if he can drop 10 pounds, 15 pounds and continue that explosiveness and that power that he has. And that's one thing I love about wrestling. You don't lose your power. Right. It's not like when you I remember when I played basketball in high school, I'd cut like 15, 20 pounds. would be all muscle because I'd just be run, 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 run. Right, you just got to go. But with wrestling, you got to keep that power and that strength and understanding how to fight guys in a tight box window. And so he's just going to continue to get better at that. And if he can drop 10 pounds and rush the passer, it's only going to be better for the Huskers and eventually better for him as he moves on to the next level. So it won't be hard for him to put that weight back on, right? I guess, oh, it's take super easy to process. pick up the fork. It's super easy just to pick up the fork and eat. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what that's what it comes down to. I mean, when you're working as hard as these guys are and I see the videos that Corey Campbell puts out and I see how hard these dudes are working day in and day out. If you're eating properly and fueling your body properly and luckily you're at a place like Nebraska where food is not a problem. Right. If you're at a smaller school and I deal with guys like this all the time, like FIU or an FAU type of thing where they're like, man, the nutrition's just not there for me to gain the weight that I need to gain the right way. Luckily, Nebraska is a top tier program that you need more food. All you got to do is ask, right? And there's plenty of opportunities. So if he's eating and fueling himself the right way, he's going to be able to put that weight back on no problem. Okay, so you, you said something earlier that I wanted to, to circle back on. You said you typically don't see nose tackles dominate. Why is that? Yeah, you know, a lot of the times is because it's a thankless position. Right. A, a nose guard's job is not to get a ton of TFLs and it's not his job to be this super disruptive force. His job is to eat up the guard, eat up the center, plug the middle and then have everyone else rally because that's where they can gash on the runs. And, you know, so many times last year you saw Nash getting so much push from that center position where he was being that disruptive force. And then usually you, you put the center in pass protection. You're like, hey block big fatty we're going to get out here to the edges and help with these werewolves coming off the edge and if you singled nash up one-on-one -on -one with a center this year the dudes had no chances like he was just bowling dudes over he was showing really good push pull techniques and so many times we saw him get to the quarterback but not be able to finish right like he disrupted he got him off his spot that's great but the next evolution in his game is beat the defender in front of you finish with the quarterback on the ground 
And so when you talk about dominance, like he was great in the run game, didn't get moved, did everything he asked. The next piece of him is just finishing up in the pass game too. So we talked a lot about him really from the start of the season mm-hmm. throughout the entire season, arguably the MVP. I thought he was the MVP. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I voted for him for MVP of the defense throughout the entire year as most consistent player. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I'm with you on that one. What was it that separated him? Why was he what were the things that you were seeing? And especially now that you've been able to go and review that made him so much better this year, that made him so good last season. Yeah, first of all, his conditioning level was excellent. Mm -hmm. They asked him to play a lot of snaps, and really that whole defense played a lot of snaps last year. And for a big guy to play that number of snaps means that he put in the work in the summer to be at that high level of conditioning. And that's a good thing, but I'd also like to see him not have to play that many snaps this year. You know, if you can have him be dominant for 40 snaps instead of semi-dominant for 65, I'll take the dominant at 40 any day of the week, right? And that just comes with developing depth of that interior line position. But I think he really started understanding the leverage of the position, understanding where to attack the weak points of, hey, if it's a double team here, who's the guy do I want to attack? Do I want to go after the guard or do I want to have to go after the center? Where's my leverage? Where's my help? And just playing fast and free and just trusting his eyes and trusting his feet and going. You know, I think early in his career, he's kind of feeling his way around, which most people do as a young player. But last year, it seemed like everything clicked for him. Like everything fell in the click, the game slowed down. And I know people hear players say that a lot, but it's a real thing. The game can absolutely where when you're first out there as a young guy, you're like, it's kind of like the scene from Talladega Nights. You're like, what was that? Were those the other cars? Like as they're flying by you. But then as you get older, everything slows down. And it's like, it's like classical music in front of you, right? You can just read everything that's coming. You see it, you see, you shoot your gun, you go. And I think that really did happen for him. And I'm excited to see what it even looks like as it even slows down more for him going into his senior season. Okay, another storyline to get to since, uh, well, that's happened since we've had an episode of The Slice. Glenn Thomas is hired to be the co-offensive coordinator and is going to coach the quarterbacks. Um, What's your your take on that and the fact that he's going to take over the the quarterbacks? Marcus Hatterfield is still going to be the play caller and they're going to figure all that out and how that works. But just maybe alleviating the quarterback position off of Marcus Satterfield's plate, what does that do? Yeah, you know, having a designated quarterback coach is really important, especially when you bring in a guy like Dylan Rayola, right? Young, raw, all the talent in the world, but let's clean him up technically and let's get him playing this offense the way you want him played. And for Satterfield, that's a big undertaking to take on if you're also the offensive coordinator and you're tasked with developing this young, brand new, five-star, great talent that's in your room. And you don't want to have that. You don't want to have be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, right? So you ruled it a great job of saying, hey, let's separate these two. Sat, focus on this offense, man. Find out what our identity is through spring ball. Throw everything out there, and let's see what we can do and be the best of your ability of calling plays for the right players that we have. And then you go over on the other side, and you're like, hey, Glenn, coach this dude up. You've been in the NFL. You've been around great quarterbacks. Get him technically sound, right? Technically sound. Don't allow him to get away with some of the stuff he got away with in high school because he was so God gifted. That's not going to work at this level, and it's not going to work at the next level, which is where we project Dylan Rayla wanting to go, right? So let's get him from the ground up, base fundamentals, what we need, and install things the right way with him over time. And I think the combination of those two things can be really good for this Husker offense. Coach Thomas had worked with Coach Roll before, but he spent a long time in the NFL what what can that experience do when you go back to college? Just some of the things working with NFL quarterbacks that you can implement to the college quarterback. 
Yeah, you know, when you're in the NFL as a coach, you're as much of a sponge as anyone else because you have offensive, different offensive coordinators that come in, different coaches, different quarterbacks that you've worked with from all around the league that all have little nuggets of how they prepare or how they do it or what their footwork looks like or what their release time is. And so as a coach, you're a sponge taking all those things in so that you're putting more tools in your tool belt, tool belt when you're going to be a coach. And so bringing that back down to the college level, you know, sometimes when a quarterback gets in the NFL – he kind of is who he is at times, right? He's been developed for a long time. You can't change a bunch mechanically or change how he takes his drops or those type of things in the NFL when a guy's been stuck in his ways forever, and that's okay. He's in the NFL. But when you come back down to the college level and you have someone coming directly out of high school, this is where you really get to cut your teeth as a coach, right? This is where you really get to prove your mettle of, hey, this is my baby. This is my project. I've got two young quarterbacks coming in here that are really good players. Let's develop them my way and show everyone that I know how to develop young players into becoming superstars. And that's what you kind of bring from the NFL is all the experience that you've had at the pinnacle of the sport. Can you come to college and coach and create the next generational type talent? I hate using that word. It's been overused a billion times this year. But coach the next talent that everyone's talking about being the next guy. And when you have a guy like Dylan Rayola in your offensive room, that's what you want to be. I want to coach the next guy that when we're talking about the 2028 draft or the 2029 draft, like it's hey it's Dylan Rayola and Caleb Williams and whatever it is right like that's what you want to hope for and that's what they brought Glenn Thomason to do okay let's uh, also talk the offseason right now what are the goals what is a football team trying to accomplish during this time right now Bigger, faster, stronger, baby. Winter conditioning. That's you like this all time, right? About. I loved winter conditioning. It's crazy. I really did. It was hard. It's brutal. You're grinding, but you're not prepping for anything, right? You don't have a game on Saturday or you're not waiting. Training camp's not this giant looming cloud that you can see over the horizon. Like it's nothing but just weight room, field, cold tub over and over and over again and you grow so much with your teammates during this time because you're fighting through adversity and you're fighting through all the hard things that are going on and you're really starting to see hey who are my leaders in this room who are the dudes that are falling behind that i either have to pull with me or say hey man if you're not going to be on this train get off right there's a lot of that going on right now but bigger faster stronger is the name of the game in winter conditioning because this is the one time where you're not prepping any football stuff you're just truly working on getting your body ready for the season that's ahead Second time these guys are going through the mat drills, which are very, very hard. And I'm sure you've seen some of the video, but I, I feel like we should reach out to Corey Campbell and see if he could put you through a mat drill workout. Oh, please. No, my <laughs> body's already just falling apart. I mean, I, my shoulder's probably torn. I got no ACL in my left knee. I wouldn't make it through half of a mat drill. I wouldn't make it through a quarter of a mat drill. I'd put a whistle in my mouth. That way I can help. I can blow the whistle and yell at the kids to run. But I, I can do that. I was trying to find somebody to do it so that they can come on and talk about how hard it is. So I'm maybe no Cole. one can. Maybe I'm Cole can you. do it. <laughs> maybe Cole. Yeah, we'll put we'll get someone young out there. They have to be under the age of 23. Valentino's a slice of home you just can't get anywhere else. What started with a treasured family recipe in Lincoln, Nebraska has become a classic Italian tradition for 65 years. During this time too, you talk about the weight room, but then you see a lot of guys that are going to throw and getting extra passes in, the quarterbacks developing the chemistry and running routes with the wide receivers and the defensive backs. But if you're an offensive lineman, what are you doing during this time of the year? Because it's not like you're playing seven-on-seven seven or anything like that. So what are the things that you're doing outside of the weight room to improve your game? Yeah, you know, with the new rules, it's hard because you can't hit each other, right? You can't, and being an offensive line is a contact sport. But what I would focus on, and it's really kind of what I put my rookies through, 
is getting back to being in complete control of your footwork and control of your body while you're doing the fundamentals, right? So when you're taking your pass sets, you're not just going through the motions like, oh, I want to get 20 pass sets in today. Like, no, I want to get 20 controlled, perfect pass sets in today so that when it comes to real life bullets, I've drilled this over and over again that then I can start working on that because I'm in such control of my body. Or, hey, maybe I really struggled with footwork last year on the backside of a run play, right? Drilling that over and over again with no one in front of you until you get it right. So that, again, once spring ball rolls around, then you can practice all that work. And so it's so much about what you do individually this time of year because you're not working with each other very much. There's not a ton you can do physically of like double teams, and that type of thing. It's really a time to reflect on you and what you need to work on coming off of last year, what your coach wants to see from you during spring ball, and then implementing that in the extra work time of, hey, I'm going to take 20 extra sets today. Tomorrow I'm going to do 10 backside zones, and then the next I'm going to do five frontside zones. And just having a plan put together of doing your footwork excuse me, doing your footwork every single day because you can't take eight weeks off of being an offensive lineman. It doesn't work that way. It's a craft you have to perfect on a daily basis. The footwork thing, is that something you, you continue to work on throughout the season or is it something you do off season? How much are you honing in on that maybe when you're watching film? Yeah, it, it, you work on it every day. Like in season, off season, it doesn't matter, but you build the basics of it's going to be hard to change your footwork mid-season. Like, it's just something that it's ingrained in you. It's as simple as, you know, I tell people, like, when you write your name with your pen, right, it's like, hey, I'm going to sign my name with my pen in cursive. Well, it's the exact same way when you sign it with your finger, right? It's just ingrained in you how you do things. And so you can't just change that all of a sudden. But what you can do is take control of that right now when there's no pads on so that you can apply it when pads get put on. Right, you apply all that work you did with the body control, and then as you go, yes, you're constantly going to need to correct it because it's amazing when all of a sudden there's a body across from you, dude's brains break. <laughs> like they go haywire. And it's like, what is that? I haven't seen that in six weeks. It's like, well, I had to get there. It's like, well, you stepped under yourself, dummy. Like you got to get going. And so it's just amazing how things can go haywire all the time. But the guys that have mastered the ability to control themselves and control their bodies are the ones that can apply it much quicker once the, when the pads come on. Where does the footwork rank in the most important skill sets of an offensive lineman? Ooh, probably, probably second. I think second. I think number one is your hands, right? Number one is, is your hands. And college offensive linemen are notorious for not using their hands, like weapons. Why? Literal weapons. I don't know. It drives me banana balls. It is so hard to watch <laughs> when some guy doesn't strike and he's just like headbutting or catching. And then you turn on the NFL and these dudes are trying to punch the living soul out of people. And it's like, dude, use your hands. They're your best weapon. They're your number one asset. And, you know, it's just uh, it's a hard thing to get a hold of because you have to have a lot of confidence to throw your hands and not be afraid to put them out there and get them knocked down and pull them back and throw them back out there. So hands is by far number one. And then your footwork's number two because you got to work those two things hand in hand. You can't have slow feet, quick hands. You can't have quick hands, slow feet. So those, those two combinations of footwork and throwing your hands are the biggest pieces for offensive linemen. So I guess maybe building off of that, when you're starting to look at offensive linemen and even defensive linemen for the NFL, what are some of the things that you're looking for? Okay, this is going to translate. These guys can be good at the next level. Yeah, you know, the number one thing I look for is, one, availability. Like how, hey, is this guy hurt? Does he fight through things? That type of thing, is he tough? But then when you look from a technical standpoint, you look at the level of competition that they play week in and week out, and you have to evaluate, is this the same guy every single week? 
right? If he's going against Aiden Hutchinson when he's in Michigan and he's getting beat like a drum, and then he's going over and beating up on the dude from Northern Idaho, like which dude am I getting, right? What guy am I seeing? And so consistency is the second thing I look for in an offensive lineman specifically of, hey, every week is his footwork the same or does his set change based off who he's playing, right? Is he playing the man or is he making the man play him? And that just shows me a confidence thing. And then if a guy can throw his hands, I'm immediately calling and reaching out to him. If he throws his hands consistently, you're getting a phone call because that's a really <laughs> hard thing to do. And if you can do it at the college level, it'll translate. So, you know, those are the things I look for. The other tiny things are hustle plays, right? Hey, if the ball's downfield, is the guy showing up in the end zone cut? Is he chasing after the ball? Is he lollygagging behind? Is he going to be there to push the pile and have those rugby scrums? Or is he going to be there if the ball gets ripped out? Or is he back there huffing and puffing because he's not in shape, right? Those are the type of things I look for on the defensive side of the ball, too. Okay, so moving on, I mean, still got a couple more weeks before we start spring football. But how different will it be for this football team from where we were a year ago going into spring ball to where we are now? Oh my gosh, night and day. You know, last year's spring ball was everyone just kind of getting to know each other, right? I, the coaches didn't know the players. The players didn't really know the coaches. The scheme was all brand new. And so last year was just so heavy install, which it had to be, right? You had to learn the system on both offensive and defensive side. And that's why Coach Rule, I know a lot of people after the year were like, well, is Satterfield staying? Is he going? He's like, why would we change things? We're only one year into this thing. Like, we don't want to keep redoing this year after year. We want guys to get comfortable in the system. And so the idea going into this year's spring ball is it's much less install, much more development, right? much more development within the scheme, not, hey, do you know what you're doing? Like, do you know what route you're running on this play? Do you know what blocking assignment is on this play? It's like, no, I got it now. Let's get into the nitty gritties of this of like, hey, if we get a cover two look into this, what do we want to check to? Oh, it's cover three. We're going to run it. Hey, it's single high. It's double higher on the defensive side. Hey, what's how do we get to this blitz from a different look? Right. Or how do we disguise this better? And so it's so much more of a development within the scheme thing instead of everyone just trying to hold on and drink from a fire hose and get through as much install as you can in the limited amount of time. So this is going to be a huge jump for this football team to build the base for what the fall is going to look like. That being said, do you think we'll see a little bit of a different look from this offense, though, come especially well, when we start seeing some practices and some highlights coming out, but especially for the spring game, do you think it will look different than what it, we, we saw last year? I think it might be a little bit. Um, you know, I think a lot of it's going to be very dependent on the quarterback position, like who's back there and how much do we want to put on that quarterback's plate or do we want to really find the identity of our run game? And I, I lean more towards the identity of the run game. Um, last year was no secret. Our run game was kind of a mess. We were all over the place. We were a triple option team. We were an outside zone team. We were a downhill pin pull scheme. Like there was so much going on. I'd love for us to come out of a spring ball with a true identity of like, hey, we are a xyz run team whatever scheme fits best for this group of guys and i think that's going to be the big piece on the offensive side coming out and i think that'll be a focus on coach rule side too because as he saw firsthand last year running the football in the big 10 can go a long way and then from there you develop what you can do through the year with a guy like if it's dylan yes. Riola or um daniel kalen yeah i mean you don't want to with young quarterbacks you don't want to put too much on their plate you don't they're already going to have a lot of pressure on themselves Right, young quarterbacks coming in, it's, hey, how do we alleviate pressure from them so they're not feeling like they have to put their Superman cape on and go do everything, right? You don't want that being the mentality of a young quarterback. You want him to rely on the other 10 guys around him to build him up and make him better as a young player. If this was a fifth-year senior, we're talking about a very different conversation. But with young quarterbacks, find ways to get the ball out of their hands as much as possible. 
Okay, so what's the position group you're looking forward to seeing how they develop throughout the spring the most? Quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Okay, I, mean, I guess that's outside of the quarterbacks. Then. All eyes on the quarterbacks, man. Everyone's gonna be watching those. Um, I guess from from a from another side, you know, you lose Omar Brown, you lose you lose Quentin Newsom in the back end there. Like, what is that going to look like? What does our back end defense look like? You know, Gifford did come back, which is going to be very helpful. But who steps into that corner position? Who fills up into that other safety position? And who's going to emerge in spring ball as, a, as an underdog guy in that position? That always seems to happen. A guy's like, who's that? Oh, he's running with the ones? Cool. All right, so the, the DB position is going to be one that I'll keep my eye on as well. How much can guys um, earn spots in the spring? You don't earn a spot in the spring. You don't. You lay a foundation to give yourself to earn it in the fall. You can lose a spot in the spring, though. That's for sure. You can absolutely lose a spot and fall down the depth chart a long way. But very rarely are spots truly won in March and April. You know, spots are won in August. But March and April is where you're gaining trust, right? And I tell this to my NFL guys all the time for, like, OTAs. In order to gain trust, you have to make the coaches trust you, right? Like, it doesn't just come. Trust is not earned. Trust is not given. It's, it's earned. So if you earn trust with the coaches through what you do in the meeting room and then you go out and apply it on the practice field, you earn reps. And when you earn reps, that's how you earn a spot on the, on the roster, right? That's how you earn a spot on the, on the travel squad or the two deep. And once you earn in reps, then it's on you. It's on you to go out and perform and perform better than the guy in front of you. So the spring's all about earning trust through your coaches that if they can put you out there in the fall, you're not going to screw up and hurt the team. So there's a lot of young offensive linemen that are now going to be going through their second spring. Mm -hmm. A few of them are. A few of them came in a little bit later. But how much do things start to click, slow down? What's the difference for those young offensive linemen between where they were a year ago to where they are now? Yeah, you know, the hope is that they're going to be more physically ready, right? Very rarely is an offensive lineman coming as a freshman is physically ready to play a 12 game season in the big 10 specifically with the physicality that it is. So your first spring ball, you're kind of just like, am I built for this? Am I okay? <laughs> What's going on? And then you walk into your second spring ball after a full year of development, a year and a half really of development. And you go, okay, physically I can do this. Now can I do the technical stuff that coach Rayola is asking me to do? Can I pick up the offense? Can I pick up the system and then apply that with this new physicalness that I've developed over the time here? Okay, uh, I did want to hit on a little bit of the NFL. Uh, you just mentioned Quentin Newsom, Omar Brown. Uh, were you surprised at all Quentin Newsom didn't get an invite to the Combine? A little bit. Um, you know, I thought he was a bubble guy. I know I thought he was a fringe guy. This is a really deep class. There's a lot of good players in this class. I still think Q has a good chance to get drafted if he runs well at Pro Day. Um, you know, so that not getting invited to the Combine is not the end-all, be-all of that realm. But I really do think that he has a chance to be drafted late if he can run well. And then you also were able to kind of follow, see Omar Brown live at the Shrine yeah. Bowl, and he caught quite the attention down there. Yeah, he had a great week um, down in Dallas. You know, he was a guy that multiple scouts I talked to and, and saw. You know, I always talk about the Nebraska guys, obviously, and they said, yeah, he had, he had a great week. He popped. He played different positions. He ran all over the field with great effort. You know, so he made the most out of that week. Um, you know, the one thing that people are a little concerned about him is his size. You know, he's a little smaller. Uh, you know, so people are a little concerned about his size playing the safety position at the NFL. But I think if he's going to make his way, it's going to be probably an undrafted free agent and then find a way to make a team on special teams and then hopefully find himself working into a defensive role. So for some of these guys, uh, pro day coming up and that's a big shot for them. I know that some of them will get some individual workouts, but uh, what do these guys need to do at pro day to be able to maybe earn one of those draft nods to earn a spot to, to get maybe a 
set themselves up to potentially have an opportunity with an NFL team? Yeah, uh, as much as an offensive lineman, I'm the opposite. I hate saying the 40, but for DBs, it's the 40. Hmm. It's speed. It's a speed kills game, right? You're looking at receivers that are going to run 4-4-1s four, four at 225 pounds and DBs that are going to be running 4-3-8s, right? You've got to be able to run in this league. And so both those guys need to run 4-4s. Four you know, in the 4-4 area. As safety, I guess, more 4-5-ish um, with Omar, but because he's a smaller guy, if he can break a 4-5-1, 4-5-2, you know, that shows guys that they have that speed to play at that level, and that's really what gives them a chance on the pro day side. You know, as you as his thinking continues to build and, and all of that, and I know you, you think there's some guys, especially next year, that could get drafted and, and could be some names going into the NFL draft, but how, how important is that for a program to to build it to where you are consistently putting guys in the league it's huge you know in the era of nil it's a little different you know as far as why guys come to schools but at the end of the day every high school athlete is going to college to play in the nfl right and that is the goal you don't go to college just to be like oh i made it to college like no i want to go to college get my education play for a great university win a lot of football games and then go make real money playing this kid's game and so you want to prove that you have the tools internally at the university to develop into NFL players, right? And the only way to do that is to bring in guys that are good recruits, and then you as your coaches have to cut your medal and, and do the best and hope they develop, and then they go on to the NFL. So it's hugely important for the recruiting side, and really it just builds the momentum for the program and all. All right. Well, I think uh, I checked everything off my list that I wanted to chat with you about. How about that basketball team? You ready for some March Madness? Two basketball yes. teams here. Come on uh, now. What? Give it to me. I said, give it to me. I want to. I want to pick them in the bracket. I'm gonna take them all the way. I'm gonna have one bracket where Nebraska's going to the ship, baby. Sign them <laughs> up. I love it. You're gonna win it. All right. Um, well, appreciate your time. And yeah, we were talking about the big dog. He's been MIA for a while. We had to get you back on. So Greg Sharp says hi. Yes. Tell Greggy I love him. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll chat with you again probably once we get spring ball rolling. We'll do a, a preview going into the spring game. Over 43,000 tickets sold already for the Not spring surprised. game. Not even surprised. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So we'll uh, we'll chat again when we get closer to spring ball. And, and then, of course, afterwards, we'll break it all down for you. So we'll be back again uh, before you know it with another episode of the Sideline Slice for Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Cootie, and thanks as always to Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Go Big Red.